Hi guys, welcome back to the But You Haven't Seen My Bookshelf podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about book tropes. We're going to be talking about some of my favorite ones, some of my least favorite ones. I went on Google. Actually, I'm pulling it up right now. I went on Google yesterday and I was looking up book tropes because one of my friends texted me about a trope that she really likes and she didn't know she would like. And I was like, what? That's not a trope. And she was like, yeah, it is. If you Google book tropes, there's like 150 of them. There's not just the 10 that you tend to think of. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I went on this website. It's called Evie Alexander Author. Oh, actually, this is literally an author's website. And she has a list of like every single book trope known to man. And we're not going to go through all of them, but we are going to be discussing some of them. And then I'm going to be sharing, you know, my favorites, my least favorites, while also maybe maybe having a little bit of a therapy session, unpacking a little bit of why I think I like certain ones over the other. It's the way I try to say others and the S didn't come out. So I had the like two seconds afterwards. Anyways, that's what we're going to be discussing today. But before we get into that, we're going to get into my what this week. What I'm reading, I've only been reading A Little Life for two months now. I, I feel like a broken record. And for some people, it's very normal to take that long, you know, to read a book, especially with a book that is the length of A Little Life. It's like 800 pages. But I am such a fast reader most of the time. I am a fast reader because I read romance books majority of the time or thrillers or mystery. And those are books that you can read very quickly. But when it comes to books like A Little Life, which I guess it's categorized as just fiction, maybe like sad fiction. I don't I don't know exactly what A Little Life is categorized as. But any book that falls into the realm of that, it doesn't necessarily have to be sad. Just kind of the way the story is written. It takes me a little bit longer. My attention span is kind of like a squirrel sometimes. And also with A Little Life, it is just a very heavy book. So I've just had to set it down, not because I am crying a lot, but just because I can feel so many emotions and I'm like kind of feeling the burden that's going on in the book. Not saying what the character is doing is burdensome. Is that a word? I don't know. Not saying what he's doing is that, but I'm just feeling a lot and I kind of feel it in my chest and in my gut. So I have to set it down pretty often. Picked it up. Again, I'm 600 pages or a little bit over 600 pages into it now. And it just got to a really heartbreaking part of the book. And a lot of people on Instagram, when I talked about picking it back up last week, they were asking whether I recommend it or not. I do recommend this book, but I think you have to go into it with the mindset of like, this is not going to be a book that I can maybe read super quickly because most of the books I do recommend are very fast paced, very, very happy go easy to read books, whereas this is very different from what I read on the regular. I enjoy it a lot. It reminds me of like the way I feel throughout it. I definitely feel more sad, but it makes me feel the way I did when I was reading The Secret History. The Secret History is one of my favorite books. It's one of those books that keeps you like thinking after you set it down. And while The Secret History wasn't like a heartbreaking book about you know, the trials that one specific character kind of goes through. I don't know. A Little Life, it says it follows four people, but it mostly, you know, follows Jude. The Secret History wasn't heartbreaking like that, but I kind of felt the same way while I was reading it, where it wasn't a book that I could read quickly, but I do recommend it, and it was very good. A Little Life is great. I plan to finish it. I plan to finish like 100 more pages this week, and then I'll probably finish it 
next week. I want to, I want it to be done before the end of May because I can't take another, a third month to read this book or it may never get done. I'm also reading a book by Laura Pavlov. I talked about last week on my summer book recommendations that that is one of the authors that I'm wanting to read and I'm wanting to read her series this summer because very much in the mood for Miley Stewart Summer and small town romance vibes. So I've been reading her Honey Mountain series. I am on the third one, Make You Mine, which is so good. The reason I think I love this series as a whole so much is because it's about firefighters. I mean, the last book or the second book wasn't. It had touches of firefighters, but the main character wasn't one. But the first book and the third book, it's surrounding firefighters. They're very much a firefighter community. The family, it follows two girls, or two girls. It follows five girls kind of throughout the whole series. It jumps from sister to sister, and their dad is head of the firehouse. So firefighters are involved. And let me tell you, firefighters are just hot. And the older man, the one I'm on now, Make You Mine, it's an age gap romance. He's like a 30-year-old single dad firefighter. Guys, are you kidding me? That is my dream. If anybody has a hot firefighter that they know of, it could be your brother, it could be your cousin, I don't give a shit. Single dad, preferably, which we're going to talk about. That's one of my favorite tropes later on. I am loving this book. It's so cute. When I was before halfway, I was thinking it was going to be a five-star read. I am 75% through the book now. I don't think it's going to be a five-star read for me but it is very, very good. Also, there's, she's the nanny, the girl in this book. And he is, you know, hot single dad firefighter. And Ashlyn is his younger nanny. And I, you can't see me right now, obviously, because this is a podcast and I only do audio, but I'm smiling really big. What I'm listening to, I was about to start the audiobook Circe by Madeline Miller. I believe that's the author. I've been waiting for that book through my library for months now. Finally came available through the Libby app. And then it turns out my library card has expired. And so I can't download it yet. I have to go into the library either today or sometime this week or sometime in the next week and renew it. So I live a little bit outside of the city, probably like eight miles. And because of that, I have to pay like 15 to 20 bucks a month. I don't remember what it is for my library card. And I don't get it for free, which is that's fine. It's really not that big of a deal, but I'm kind of trying to decide right now if Cersei is even worth it because I I went ahead and sent it on to the next person who's waiting and I'll probably get it in a week if I renew my card. But I'm trying to figure out at the moment if my library card is even worth it because it's not free. And the only thing I get for my library are audiobooks, but I feel like I could just... I don't know any other good audiobook platform. Someone recommended Hoopla, but that is a platform to listen to audiobooks where you have to go through your library too. The only other audio app I know of is Audible and you have to pay like $15 a month, I think, to buy an audiobook. Sometimes Kindle Unlimited has audio versions of books. So I think today I'm going to look through Kindle and see all of the audio ones that they recommend and then make that decision because... 15 to 20 bucks is, I mean, it's not really that much money and I'm totally fine with paying it, but I'm, you have to pay like six months up front. And I'm like, do I really want to do that? Because I only listen to maybe like max two books a month from my library through the Libby app. 
Oh, but I love going to the... Okay, I just answered my own question. I'm going to pay for it. I love going to the library, especially when I don't need to buy books. You kind of get that same fix when you go in there and rent them, even when you don't read them. I'm going to do it. I don't know why I just had that whole discussion. Thank you guys for letting me uh, talk out my what's going on in my head. This is why I need to see a therapist, because literally just speaking out loud helps you make decisions that are so freaking simple like this. Book tropes. There are so many, like I said. I have some favorites. I went ahead and made a list. I have four of my favorites and then five or six of ones that are my least faves or just ones that I don't like at all. But we're going to start with my favorites. But stick around for the least favorites because they're really funny. My favorite trope ever is the single parent trope. I don't know what it is. And I tell my friends all the time, if a single dad came into my life, I would love nothing more than to love a, a hot dad and his child because I don't I don't know if I want to have kids this we're gonna unpack a little bit on why I think I love this trope so much I don't know if I want to have kids of my own I'm kind of indecisive I used to say I don't want them at all and especially in the world we live in sometimes it's really hard for my brain to wrap around the fact that I would bring a child into this but you know if someone already has a child existing that's like the perfect case scenario for me and I don't even have to I would love to adopt, but I have a child. Like, this child is existing. Let me go ahead and love them instead of having to have that war in my brain of, do I want to bring a kid into this world? You know? I love a single parent trope. I love reading about it. It can be a single dad. Like I said, I'm reading a book right now with a single dad in it. And good God almighty, there's something about a a hot dad that is just so attractive to me. But also, reading a book where it is a single mother and then watching a man just step up. The book that that comes to mind is Juniper Hill. Knox and I don't remember the FMC's name, but I do remember Knox's name in that book because of the one case where they're talking, him and his brother are talking about their kids and his brother's like, my kid's a night owl. And he's like, my boy is a morning or whatever. And then everybody's like, your boy. And he's like, I said what I said. That kid is my boy. And I was like, oh my God, my heart is melting. My heart is melting. I am even more in love with you for loving this kid that is not your own, but treating it like it is your own. I could read a single parent trope every single day of the week and I would not get tired of it. The next trope that I love is friends to lovers. And some people are going to be like, what about enemies to lovers? I like friends to lovers more than I like enemies to lovers. I don't know if it's because it's probably more realistic because when I do read enemies to lovers, it tends to be kind of cutthroat and I'm like, that would never happen. I don't know why. But there's something about friends to lovers that seems a lot more realistic to me, maybe in my head. And I really, really enjoy reading it. But at the same time, sometimes it can be written very poorly. And sometimes I do not enjoy it. I like it when it is written well. Well, when it's written well. When it is written well. Some cases where I don't like it is when... It seems very random that they fall in love with the person like they've never liked them before and then all of a sudden one day they're like, wait, I am in love with you. I like it when they're friends, but you can see from each's, each person's POV that they have always kind of had a thing for this friend. I don't like when it just pops up out of the blue, you know? I like when there are a little bit of feelings mentioned rather than, oh my god, I think I love Troy. But she's ne- this girl may have never even mentioned she liked Troy ever. And it's just random. I'm like, okay, that's kind of strange. But when written well, I mean, and this goes for any book and any trope. 
when written well, it's very good and I love it so much. One of my favorite friends to lovers tropes is Love Light Farms by BK Borison. This is a Christmas book, so save it for Christmas. Oh my god. That was one of my favorite friends to lovers. And the only other one I can think of at the moment is People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. I really do like that one, but I definitely like BK Borison's way better. I think it was written so well and the characters were so relatable and the main or the FMC owned a Christmas tree farm. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? It doesn't get cuter than that. But it wasn't too hallmarky. Like I said, it was a Christmas book, but it wasn't too like cringy hallmarky at all. The next book trope that I love is marriage of convenience. Listen, I tell people all the time, people, I don't really talk to that many people. I talk to my friends. I have friends, everybody. I love the idea of these two random people getting married, marriage of convenience in any way, and then falling in love. And I love in a book when they're like, should we date? And they're like, well, we're already married, but technically like in our brains, we're gonna date now, okay? We are actually together. And I'm like, you guys are so freaking cute. And I love it. And I really wanna know if anybody knows of anybody that has gotten like a marriage of convenience. Not, well, I mean, I guess it could be an arranged marriage, but I'm thinking more so, you know, the marriages where they get married for like a business deal. I don't know anybody who has a marriage of convenience and it worked out well. well I don't know anybody in general, but definitely don't know anybody where they had to do that in the real world and it worked out. But I love that trope so much. My favorite marriage of convenience book that I always recommend is The Wall of Winnipeg and Me. Slow Burn Romance is by Mariana Zapata. Definitely, you will not like it if you do not like slow burn. When I say it, I mean it. She gets married to Aiden. I think her name is Vanessa. And they get married. Aiden was her boss. And he needs to stay in the States. He basically needs a green card. And because he's, what is he, from Canada or something? He's Canadian and he lives in Dallas. And he's like, I need to stay here. Will you marry me? Right after she quit. And she's like, what the heck are you talking about? They get married. It ends up working out. That's my favorite marriage of convenience. And that's a little more, that's very different from a lot of marriage of convenience books that are very popular out there. I feel like a lot of others, it's more of a business transaction and less of a, I need to stay in America and I need you to marry me. The last book trope that is my favorite is Grumpy Sunshine. But I specifically like Grumpy Sunshine when the girl is the grump and the guy is the sunshine. And the reason why, we're unpacking it here, the reason why I like that so much is because I tend to be more of a grump, but I love my friends in my life who are so sunshiny, and I think, you know, when I'm reading about a grumpy girl, I'm like, you know what, maybe a sunshine partner is it for me. Maybe that's what I need. Maybe two grumps wouldn't work, and so I fall in love with books where there's like a grumpy girl, and this sunshiny man who just loves her through her grumpiness. And I'm like, wow, that could be me. A lot of people, a lot of people aren't going to like my recommendation that I have. My favorite grumpy sunshine kind of reverse book that I have is Icebreaker by Hannah Grace. Does it read like Wattpad? A lot of people say that. Yeah, probably. But if you haven't read it, I recommend it. I think it's so freaking cute. And she's definitely a grump. And Nathan Hawkins, I would marry that man Oh my gosh, I'm in love with him. And he's he's like the perfect amount of sunshine. He's not cringy. He's just happy and I love him. I don't have books to go with my least favorite tropes 
because I don't even want to think about most of the books that had these tropes in it. So we're just going to discuss them. I have one, two, three, four, five. I have six that I just don't like. And one of these on here, I've only read one book with it before. And it was very much a what the fuck. Like after I read this trope, I didn't even know it existed. And then I read it on the website yesterday that I was talking about where it was talking about all the tropes and it was on there. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a legit thing. This is the strangest trope that I've ever heard of. Amnesia? What the heck? One of the books in the Perfectly Imperfect series, the guy straight up got amnesia. He forgot that he got, it was an arranged marriage too. He forgot that he got married to this girl and it was mafia. I don't remember the name. It was like the third, no, it was like the fourth book in the Perfectly Imperfect series. And then he caught amnesia. Come to find out, people really like that book trope and they read about it. I don't know how, oh my gosh, wait. I'm not going to say that. That would be a spoiler for that book. Never mind. Ignore me. What the heck? Amnesia? Hi, Heather. What's your favorite trope? Oh, it's amnesia. I'm not judging. I just, it's just so interesting to me because it's so rare. In the book that I was talking about from the Perfectly Imperfect series, again, it was Mafia. The guy got in an accident and he forgot about the girl who was very young. It was also age gap. Good God, now that I'm thinking about it, that book had so many tropes in it. He lost all his memory and he couldn't remember that they weren't necessarily in love. I mean, she was in love with him, but he wasn't, he wasn't there yet with her. Like he didn't want to be there yet. I don't, he just didn't love her. But amnesia him did, amnesia him did. And then when he came to, he was like, I do love you. And I was like, this is strange, but whatever. The next on my least favorites is the miscommunication trope. This is a least favorite for all of us. I think the reason I hate this trope so much is because it is so realistic. I like to think of myself as someone who is good at communicating, but in reality, I don't think I am. And a lot of my miscommunication comes when there is conflict that arises. And a lot of miscommunication that happens in books, it is when there is a subtle or maybe even a big conflict. And it is just so real to where I get so frustrated with how silly and how stupid it is. Because if you would, I'm screaming at the book, if you would just talk to each other, you wouldn't have this issue. But in reality, I need someone screaming that to me when I'm in not a lot. I mean, this doesn't happen a lot, but in certain situations in real life, I need someone in my ear being like, Heather, if you would just mention this small thing, this miscommunication wouldn't be happening right now. So I don't like having the feeling of wanting to yell at my book. So I tend to avoid all miscommunication books. The next one that I have is Love Triangle. The only Love Triangle, I've said this over and over, I will tolerate is the one from Hannah Montana with Jake, Jesse, and Hannah. And even I barely tolerated that one. If there's a love triangle, I I can sometimes maybe handle it when one of the guys is an asshole and the other one is clearly the one that should be picked. But even that case, it really annoys me because I'm looking at this girl and it's realistic. I'm like, how could you be so blind with how stupid and idiotic and that this one man is? How can you overlook how much of an asshole he is when there's clearly this perfect man right in front of you? It's just a little realistic because a lot of us do that in real life. Well, actually, I don't. I <laughs> Maybe one day there will be two men pining after me and I'll have to pick between an asshole and a good guy. But I hope to God that I would pick 
the good man and I would be able to see it. But sometimes, you know, we're blinded by love or lust or whatever. The next one is insta-love. I put this one in my least favorite, but I have to say sometimes I think it works. But majority of the times I really don't like it. The times that I do like insta-love is when it's written like soulmate attraction. It's not written of we met in this elevator. I don't know how to explain how it could be written poorly and written better. But most of the time I do not like it. But there are occasions when I'm like, no, they're soulmates and it makes sense. Go ahead and U-Haul straight people. It works. It's working. But majority of the time I'm like, what is going on? He literally tripped you. And then you turned around and you were like, I'm in love with you. And there's no soulmate connection here. Why are you in love with each other? That's when I don't like it. The next one that I don't like is second chance. Listen to the rest of this. Second chance romance when they've already been divorced. I don't. I I don't. There was one book that I started by Claire Kingsley. I don't even remember the name of it. But I remember this guy was divorced and his ex-wife was the love interest in the book. I don't like that. I don't want to read about that. Maybe that could happen in real life. It probably happens pretty often. But that's so... I don't know. I just don't like it. I found out two chapters into the book that the love interest was his ex-wife And I was like, I don't think I'm interested in reading this, so I'm just not going to give it a shot. And you know what? Maybe it was a great book, and maybe I'm really missing out. But Second Chance, when they've already been divorced, I don't think it is for me, and I don't really want to read about that. The last of my least favorite, and this one is questionable too, is to be in my least favorites, but I put it here anyways. Opposites Attract. And what I mean by Opposites Attract is not necessarily in personality, But maybe in hobbies or something, I don't really love reading a book where the people have absolutely nothing in common, but the the author, the way they put it, they're like, but it just works. I don't really love that. And I think to unpack this one too, I think that's because I I don't want to be around someone who has absolutely nothing in common with me in any way. Like I would love for there to be some connection like in like maybe we have one hobby that we both like or maybe we have a couple personality traits that just work together but I think there have been a few books that I have read where they were so vastly different the main characters were so different to the point I was like what do you talk about like what do you what do you you have nothing in common and maybe it would work but I know for my case that probably wouldn't work for me and that's why I couldn't read it I could definitely see people who would like that. And I think the trope has a lot of hope. You know, I could see someone who enjoy reading, you know, Opposites Tract. It's just not for me. And it's not something that I really love. And again, opposites to a certain extent. You can definitely be different. I love different people together. I want to be with someone who's not exactly like me. I'm not trying to date myself. But when it's too opposite, I'm like, "Mm, okay, let's tone it down a little bit. Maybe give them a hobby to have together. Or at least one thing to laugh about together. Because occasionally those relationships and books just seemed like people in lust and not people in love. And I'm like, I want to read about people in love. Give me over the top love. And that is all for today's podcast episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to me talk about book tropes. The ones I liked and the ones I didn't. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Hev's Book Club. And I will see you guys next week. Bye!